What's good, party people? Candia of Candid Conversations. I'm recording this podcast on a Saturday, and I have a theme for almost every day of the week. Today is my self-care Saturday. So I'm sitting here with my bentonite clay mask on. It's a healing facial. It's good for acne and reducing your pores. And it's really cheap, y'all. It's like six bucks. Um, I think my brand is called Aztec Secret. You could buy it on Amazon. I usually get mine from Whole Foods, but it's a clay mask. You mix it with apple cider vinegar or water. And as it's removing the impurities from your skin, your face is like pulsating. And so when you rinse it off, it just, my skin always feels so amazing and I feel so refreshed. So, you know, that's my five minute self-care routine. And then later I'm going to meet with my girls and have like a 500 minute self-care routine, right? Over dinner. And so I hope you all have adopted some practices for self-care as well. Well, right. I don't care if it's five minutes, 50 minutes or five days, right? You need to make sure that you're always including the business of you on your to-do list. One thing I would like to happen this year is to see a lot more women drop this daggone superwoman cape. Men too, right? Team no sleep ain't sexy. I don't have time to cry. That ain't sexy. Listen, real talk. All of this hustle, grind, all of these things, it's a recipe for depression, silly mistakes, anxiety, and lashing out at the people you love. Okay? So make sure that you include at least one to two things per week on how you're going to take care of you. That's important. You want to get to that next level and you want to stay at that next level. You need your sleep. You need things that are going to bring you happiness, whether it's your relationship, you know, eating healthy, uh, exercising in the morning. Make sure you're including that on your to-do list. I want to, I want to talk more about that too, because lately I've been getting a lot of calls you know, for my friends and stuff, especially my my friends in business or even in their career, you get so caught up in the grind and then you can't get unstuck or you're, you're suffering with a bit of depression. And that's because you're being too hard on yourself and you're not including your moment for self-care. Okay. Anywho, I couldn't sleep last night, y'all. So I was up on the gram scrolling through my newsfeed and came across a statement from Roland Martin. Now, Roland Martin is a journalist, commentator. He used to be a commentator on the TV One News Now show, which was recently canceled, but it was a morning show. And anyone who knows Martin on Twitter, because he's a beast on Twitter, but if anyone knows Martin, you know, they clearly understand that beyond being an advocate for, you know, uh, racial equality, he also puts in the work, right? And I, I love the fact that when his show was on, you know, it wasn't only profiles of you know, high uh, profile individuals. He would also use, you know, people, everyday people to come on the show. He would invite everyday people to come on the show and also give their commentary commentary as well. So that show will be missed. But anywho, it, you know, it was a response directed towards Monique, the Oscar award winning comedian regarding her negotiation and pay gap debacle that she's having with Netflix right now. Okay. And so, I'll just share some of the things that were said. So Monique quote said, you know, I appreciate your fight. However, where's your fight for equality when it comes to your sisters? Let's talk, brother. So one of the responses that Roland uh, says on Twitter, he says, here's my final point, Monique. You are 100% right about black women, black men, 
and other people of color getting paid top dollar. But how we treat others impacts how we get paid. Now ask yourself, is it you or every other major black Hollywood player that's the problem? So here's the beautiful thing about this whole discussion. You know, earlier Monique asked people to boycott Netflix. So, you know, because she felt like they only offered her $500,000 and that she deserves more, right? And so, listen, this is a great opportunity for conversation, change, and transparency on both ends. The pay gap, I agree, it's totally a problem, right? Especially for black women. And I don't believe all conflict is bad conflict. Conflict means there's an opportunity for a deep discussion. It can generate understanding and a new way of thinking and doing things. But I'm going to keep it all the way 100 with y'all. I wanted to stay away from this conversation because on the one hand, I realized people on social media can no longer respectfully disagree without calling someone a coon or a slave or whatever other derogatory term, right? And on top of that, I feel like there's a new dangerous disease that's happening on social media. It's called groupthink, where people make a rush to judge, a rush to share things happening in the news without having all of the facts and without even thinking on their own. And that needs to stop. Because here's the thing when it comes to someone talking about or sharing a problem or an issue that they're having on social media, there's always another side that doesn't make it to social media, right? They're always going to position it from their side, right? Now, I do understand. So for me, I feel like it's two separate issues. There's the message and then there's the messenger. And while I'm seeing a lot of people say, listen, you have to separate the message from the messenger, that's hard when the messenger's behavior is so whack that it's diminishing the validity of the cause. See, I was always told as a child, and I believe it to be true to this day, right? You can have a very valid point, but once you start name calling, cursing, you know, putting the blame on everyone else, your whole point will be lost because people will only hear the yelling and the name calling, right? And in Monique's case, not only has she pointed the finger at everyone else but herself, including Roland Martin, Oprah Winfrey, Tyler Perry, Will Parker, Lee Daniels, she broke some of the cardinal rules of negotiation. Negotiation is not a one-time event. Negotiation isn't a, they offered me this and I walked out. Negotiation is a conversation, Last year was one of my clients that I renegotiated with. It took us two weeks to come to an agreement, right? Because here's the thing. Most people walk into a negotiation with the expectation that they're negotiating based on their position. And negotiation, some of the most successful negotiations are based on interest, not position. You're appealing to that person's interest and you're talking to how, what you've done in terms of performance, performance in a business sense breaks down to numbers and your demand. Once you find out the interest of that person that you're negotiating with, you could tweak your value statement so that they could see that what you've done in the past that's led up to right now could help them in their further interest, right? And so that's The point, that's one of the things that I think uh, people get wrong when it comes to negotiation. And although, you know, this is a beautiful 
time to discuss this. Monique is not the one to deliver it. I'm sorry. And because she keeps pointing the finger at everyone else but herself, we are failing at empowering and educating other women when it comes to what needs to happen or what should happen in the negotiation process. Okay. So I wanted to tackle this issue with some experiences that I've had uh, when it comes to negotiation, because I do understand that although I wanted to stay away from like this topic, it is a part of what I do, especially since I launched, she deserves more, right? I launched it to help women increase their visibility, their income and wealth and connections to mentors and partners around the world. So I felt like, okay, Kendi, you have to provide some sort of insight and actionable advice about what, you know, for women of color and this issue of pay disparity. And this is just not, like I said, this is a fact that there is an issue. There are studies, there are statistics out there. Okay. Uh, at the same time, I know there's a whole other group of studies that women are, we're not making the ask and that, uh, a small part of the problem is that we need to be better prepared to have the negotiation conversation, okay? So earlier when I said she broke some of the cardinal rules of negotiation, here's the thing. You have to be prepared, right? Self-awareness is really a huge part of preparing for negotiation, right? You have to be able to talk about your performance in relation to how that specific business measures success, right? So Netflix is a streaming service online. They will expect that not only will you bring your talent, her talent is not questioned, okay? They also expect that you bring, especially now, your number of followers online and that your influence is so strong that you will be able to convert those followers into paying Netflix users, right? And if you look, again, I'm sticking at the facts. This is, uh, this is me preparing. If you look at Monique's influence online, it's weak in comparison to the people that she is comparing herself to. And for those of you who want to say Monique is an Oscar award winner, let me tell you this. This is the same thing I tell people who have advanced degrees. It is not enough to separate yourself from the pack. It's simply not. You have to be able, it's enough to get you in the door, but once you get to that negotiation table, honey, it's not enough. Okay. So again, in Monique's case, let's just take Instagram, for example, she has 233,000 followers. Now, let me be clear. I'm not big on the number of followers. I'm big on the number of engagement. Okay. Meaning how many people are commenting? How many people are you getting to take action? Whether that's, you know, sharing, buying a ticket, what have you. Amy Schumer, now she's compared herself to Amy, has 6.4 million followers. She's also sold out Madison Square Garden, not once but twice. I'm no Amy Schumer fan, That's and, and let me be clear, I want to state that. I am a Monique fan. But anywho, she's had a, uh, she sold out Madison Square Garden twice. She's had a 50-city tour. That sold out as well. And while... Monique has a presence online. For the most part, over the last several years, she's used her platform to talk about her issues, 
her challenges, her struggles, her conflicts with people. It hasn't been used in the best sense of growing her influence and growing her presence. It's just been mostly used, in my opinion, and you can look for yourself to complain about how she's being mistreated. I think she did have some health videos or workout videos up there as well. So here's what I want you to understand in this whole preparation process too. As you climb up the ladder of success, whether it's in corporate America, whether it's, you know, in the movie world, the film world, you know, artistry, wherever your passion lies, you have to understand that your IQ becomes less important. Your EQ, your emotional intelligence, which is your ability to manage your emotions, right, and communicate more effectively and work through, work through conflict, your EQ will become more important than your IQ. That is so important. It's not enough to say, oh, I have all these accolades. I received awards. If you become difficult to work with, it's going to affect how you get paid. And so I'm going to quote Roland Martin because what he said was absolutely true. Your talent is immense. But life ain't just about who has talent. It's also about how we treat everyone else. So here's my final point, Monique. You are 100% right about black women, black men, and other people of color getting paid top dollar. But how we treat others impacts how we get paid. Now ask yourself, is it you or is it every other major black Hollywood player that's the problem? So this is my point. You have to understand where you are in the market, right? And at this point, Monique's place in the market is that she is troublesome and she is a problem and she is a risk. When you're considered a risk again, that determines how people will determine how much you should be paid. Okay. And also when it comes to your emotions, this is the thing that people need to understand. There's a difference between a response and a reaction. You have to measure the cost of you of reacting to someone or something. When you react, you are using your emotions. Your emotions are unreliable. You cannot allow your emotions to make the final decisions in your life because they are too unpredictable. They're unreliable. And the reality is your feelings aren't facts. Monique, you think you deserve that amount, right? Your feelings are telling you deserve that amount. But when you look at the numbers, this is business. It doesn't add up. So before you react to something, you have to really sit and own your BS and figure out where you play in the market. Right? And it takes some time to get there. Right? A while ago, I remember when I first started out in consulting, when I was working for my employer, my manager told me, Candia, if you want to get to that next level, you have to, people feel like you're not approachable. You need to practice empathy. That hurt. Like, I really took offense to that. But this feedback that she'd received was from people who were working with me every day, people who had, people who had anonymously reported. We used this thing called 360 feedback, where people could actually submit, you know, anonymously how it was working with a certain person. And so after a while, listen, it brought me to tears. I didn't want to hear that. But you know what? It was the absolute truth. It was the absolute truth. I 
you know, anyone who knows me that sometimes when I walk in a room, I'm a tall black woman, you know, and I have this mean look on my face. I know that about me. I have this mean look on my face. And so people are always like, are you okay? And I'm like, yeah, then I'll smile. Right. But that 30 second interaction with me told a huge story about how people felt like I was unrelatable and they felt like they couldn't approach me. And so I needed to work on that. And one of the the best kind of like the smallest tweaks that I've, I've done, which has helped me tremendously, is when I enter a room, I speak first. I smile first. I don't wait for people to speak to me anymore. And it has helped me tremendously. My energy enters that room. And I speak, hey, I speak to people. Uh, I smile at people and I speak before I'm spoken to just so I can control that temperature a bit more. Okay. So on top of that, you have to understand where you fit in the market. And also you have to understand how your performance is in the market. Right. And so if you are also, if you're a, um, you know, like say, if you're working for a place, you can do your research, you can use uh, sites like uh, Glassdoor, Comparably, Salary.com to find out, you know, in terms of the numbers where you play. But you have to take note, though, salary, most companies will only consider websites that collect employer-reported data, not self-reported data. So Salary.com definitely uses employer-reported data in terms of, you know, how much a person makes coming in and years of experience and that sort of thing. Whereas Glassdoor and comparably, they pull uh, from employees in terms of the salary and things of that sort. So, you know, if you're going into a discussion and you're starting with where you are in the market in terms of numbers, make sure you have like the best of both worlds. You can have salary.com, but make sure um, that you, well, you could have Glassdoor, but make sure you also have salary.com or something like that. So you have to understand where you play in the market and be very, very self-aware about your performance as well, right? Getting paid what you think you deserve isn't just about convincing people that you work hard, right? You have to be able to show people and tell people a story about how you can and you know, contribute to whatever their interests are, right? Because at the end of the day, that person is just sitting there thinking, what can you do for me? (laughs) What have you done for me lately, right? And here's the thing. Someone once told me, in life, we never get what we deserve. We get what we have the leverage to negotiate, right? And sometimes I like to call having it, having your brag story, your bag of tricks ready, right? For when that person says, I believe you only deserve $500,000. What do you have to leverage and your bag of tricks that can dispute what that person is saying, right? So there's two ways you can prepare for that. If you know who you are coming to the table with to negotiate, right? You have to research the sweet spot of that negotiator or negotiators, because I've been in situations where there's two or three people in the room, right? You have to understand their goals, their motivations, and even the challenges so that you can tailor your story 
in terms of your track record to make it more appealing to their needs and make it more attractive to the negotiator who can drive the financial decision forward, right? So if you're sitting in the room at a company, you may have two CEOs, but their interests, their motivations are going to be different. You may have one person that's interested in you know, safety, another one that's interested in marketing and bringing in the numbers. How can you appeal to each of their interests? So what I always tell people is when you're going into a discussion to either persuade someone to give you a job or persuade them to give you more money, have your brag story ready. A brag story is a two to three sentence story, right? Which demonstrates kind of like how you solve the problem or how you fill the need. And it talks about the impact to the company or initiative or an event. It includes words that includes like action and activities that took, pl- that took place. Most importantly, it talks about results, outcome, demand, those sorts of things, right? So you have to have that brag story ready. And recently I created some worksheets that's up on She Deserves More. So I will include them in the notes, right? But you definitely want to have your brag story ready and have at least two to three of them ready, right? And another thing, this is another cardinal rule that I feel like she broke is bringing other people into the discussion. When you go into negotiation, right, stay away from what you gave this person that raise and that amount and I'm a single parent. I have bills to pay and college tuition. The reality is everybody has responsibilities and nobody cares. Okay. This is business, not personal. Right. So you have to figure out how you can make the case as it relates to your performance and how well your performance is going to contribute to better business for the company. Okay. Or if you have uh, some proof, let's say this is a renegotiation, that your specific performance impacted the bottom line, then you can include that as well, right? And even if you are, uh, you know, an employee at a company, still look at your career as if you are an entrepreneur. Your products are a combination of your experiences and skills. So you need to package that story in a way and sell it with confidence by tying in your results and impact and things of that sort, okay? And make sure when you are practicing, because that's another thing, you want to be prepared, but you also want to practice your brag story, that you avoid, you know, words that may undermine your authority, right? I think, for instance, um, literally, oh, and you know, no, they don't know. Make sure you're practicing those statements so that you are clear and you are confident and direct, and how you can help them get to where they need to be. And lastly, I would say, listen, be prepared for your now what moment. Remember, negotiation is not a one-time event. It's, it's a conversation. And in some cases, you are going to have to be careful. And I know for me, you know, when I'm looking at uh, Monique in this situation, you really need a good team. And I don't know her team. I see her husband there a lot. And I've heard people say, oh, she needs PR. I think it, yes, she possibly could. But I think it starts with self-awareness, honestly. 
It starts with self-awareness and understanding your place in the market. Like I said, to me, this is two separate issues, but be prepared for your now what moment. Never take the first offer, but be prepared that if your negotiator insists that the offer is firm, how will you respond? Right? So depending on your situation, you may be able to ask open-ended questions and ask for advice. Right? So sometimes, especially in business, I may have asked, you know, my client, what are your concerns about, you know, the higher rate, right? What more, or you may ask if the offer is firm, what more do I need to do to position myself for a raise? Or sometimes you can identify other things to negotiate than price. Last year, I told you guys earlier, I renegotiated a contract with a long-term client. What was important for me is that number one, uh, I wanted to continue the relationship, right? So sometimes you have to Find common ground between you and that person when you can't get, uh, you can't really agree on the one thing. Try to find that common ground and start to ask questions about interest and things of that sort. So although the client agreed that I deserved an increase, we couldn't agree, reach an agreement on the rate that I wanted. However, through a long, I think it was a week long, maybe two weeks, I learned that He had a five-figure email list, which included medium-sized businesses. In my head, I'm like, cha-ching, okay? So I propose that he feature my business and workshop series and, you know, a few of his email, his email marketing campaign. We were on the phone and he like laughed. He's like, if that's all you need from me to keep you on, you got it. And guess what? I landed four new workshop clients within the last quarter which exceeded my quarterly sales goals by at least 60%. Had I walked out of the negotiation discussion when he mentioned one rate, I probably, number one, I probably, I may have lost the client and I would not have exceeded my goal as well. Okay. And you have to understand again, when in negotiation, I can't stress enough. Nine times out of 10, if that person puts one number on the table, they always have a little bit more money to to play with. And so even if that dollar is still not bringing you to where you need to be, maybe you can put a contingency within that negotiation and say, listen, if I bring you in, you know, this number of subscribers after the first 30 days, will you bump up my rate to three million dollars. I don't know. So I think, like I said, I believe this is a beautiful opportunity for us to have open dialogue, change and transparency in terms of the pay gap and rates and things of that sort. However, I believe we also need to be careful because it's sending mixed messages here about the process of negotiation and what has to happen And we also have to look at the person who we are allowing to lead the charge in in this effort. So I just wanted to shed some light on my experiences. I am by no way an expert in negotiation, but I've studied it enough uh, being a woman in business and having some challenges with insecurity and things of that sort. So I just wanted to share my experiences with you all. Leave me a comment. Let me know what you think. Um, I'm going to go 
get to self-caring. Okay, party people. And I will talk to you soon. Don't forget, hit me up on Twitter, Candia Johnson. Um, Facebook, Candia Johnson. You can join my She Deserves More Facebook group. We talked a bit about this last week. So I'd be interested to hear what you have to say. Boy, guys.